0: Welcome to Jesus Unmasked, an invitation to join a search for the living Christ in scripture and in our lives.
1: I am Lindsay Paris Lopez, writer for the Raven Review, aspiring peacemaker, and aspiring follower of Jesus.
0: And I am Adam Erickson, writer at the Raven Review and pastor in the United Church of Christ.
1: This is episode 39 for the ninth Sunday after Pentecost. In this episode, we discuss Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21.
0: In Jesus Unmasked, we seek to remove the masks of exclusive theology and violent cultural lenses that obscure the truth, that Jesus is unconditional love.
1: In the unmasked face of Jesus, there is hope, acceptance, and forgiveness that frees us from fear, that we may live into our fullest selves as reflections of God's
0: love. We explore scripture through the New Revised Standard version of the Bible, and we use the Common Lectionary. Hi, Lindsay.
1: Hi, Adam. How are you?
0: I'm good. We are recording this at not our normal time. We usually record in the morning, but we are doing this in the afternoon. And it's uh, after my afternoon nap. I needed a nap today. I need to, like, this whole, like, uh, coronavirus thing just has me, I don't know what it has me. It has me, like, needing an afternoon nap (laughs) all the time.
1: Yes, it has me needing them, too, when being unable to take them most of the time as I have children to look after. But, yeah, I feel like the coronavirus is taking a lot of energy, and a lot of focus, a lot of my thought away from me. And uh, sometimes it's hard to remember that even with everything going on, we're still living in a world of abundance.
0: Yes. And so when we usually uh, have these recordings, I am drinking coffee in the morning to wake myself up, and I'm still drinking coffee in the afternoon. Because I have an abundance of coffee. Thank God for coffee.
1: I'm out of coffee. I do not have to. You know what, Adam? Why don't you send me one pack of your coffee and I'll pray and Jesus can multiply a thousand packs of coffee for me.
0: Jesus, please multiply the coffee. Yes, that would have
1: been a real miracle at the at the lakeside if he had multiplied coffee.
0: Well, uh, speaking of, so we are moving beyond parables. Actually, we're not. As I was reading this, I was like, oh, thank God we are no longer talking about those parables. But this story of Jesus feeding, how many people does he feed in Matthew in this story?
1: It does not say. Oh. Because we traditionally refer, this, refer to this as the parable of the feeding of the 5,000. But what it actually says is there were 5,000 men and women and children besides. Oh. Now, usually, if there are women and children, plural, a lot of families have only one child, but a lot of families have more than one child. So if there were women and children, there were probably multiple children and at least one woman per man. So we have no idea how many people were actually fed because as in so many stories written down in patriarchal times, probably the vast majority of the people are left out.
0: Yeah. So Jesus is feeding a whole lot of people here. And what is it about this passage from Matthew when Jesus feeds, uh, the heading of mine says 5,000, but that's just the men they counted. And so there are a lot of other women and children there, as you say. What is it that's parabolic about this story? It says, now when Jesus heard this is how this passage begins. And so just want to give the setup to now when jesus heard this what did jesus hear just before jesus goes out and feeds the 5000 plus people <laughs> john the baptist is murdered by king herod so king herod is throwing a banquet for all of his rich friends and i don't think that matthew says her name salome uh but in the gospel of mark it's salome who comes and dances and here it just says the daughter of herodias came and danced and made or suggested that herod kill john the baptist so what does jesus do he goes out and flees this place and then the story picks up
1: and i will read where the story picks up now when jesus heard this he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, "'This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away, So that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish He looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and all ate and were filled and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces 12 baskets full and those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children
0: so remember from the last few weeks, we've been talking about parables and parable means, uh, comes from two Greek words, uh, para, which means alongside or besides and, uh, Bala, which means to throw and parables are stories that kind of put before us two different Ways of life or multiple ways of life multiple interpretations for how to uh, Read a story or interpret a story, but of course it's bigger than just a story, right? It's a worldview. It's how we live our lives with one another And so when I read this passage and I saw it was put right alongside of Herod killing john the baptist you begin to see the parabolic nature of what the gospel writer Matthew is doing here. He's juxtaposing two different ways of life in a very parabolic way. One is the way of uh, imperialism, the way of, you might say, the the powers and principalities of the world. Uh, If you call them out for injustice, what are they going to do? Uh, They may try to kill you. They might try to take you down in some way. And how does Jesus respond to that? He doesn't go and say, all right, we're going to get the bastards, right? He goes out, he goes away from it, and he feeds people. <laughs> These are like the two radically different ways of being in the world that the gospel writer is putting before us.
1: Yeah, two banquets parallel to each other, like a parable, parallel. And what do we normally think of when we think of a royal banquet? It probably in our minds looks something more like Herod's. I mean, royalty, we still have connotations of opulence and exclusivism and only the top guests get invited and um yeah Herod was throwing a rather magnificent party and and he was showing off and he he had a dancer who danced and pleased him and he made a promise in front of everyone that he would give her whatever she desires and then he followed through on that promise and i mean i think i've actually had sunday school teachers tell me well he wasn't such a bad guy but he had to keep his promise Uh (laughs) no you don't yeah he was he was a bad guy and uh you don't have to keep a promise to kill somebody but no but you know um that's that's called priorities being messed up (laughs) but um uh, but um
0: welcome to Sunday school, everyone.
1: <laughs> I have had the same Sunday school teachers have said much better things yes i sure I've, I've seen better sunday school you know better interpretations know. of Sunday school lessons, but I mean, I think it's a problem we fall into a lot when we're trying to make sense of scripture um but defending Herod as a good guy is is not something that we want to do. But anyway,
0: well, I would following Gerard, you would you might say that he's a mimetic guy, yeah. And uh, Herod is pulled by the crowd in his party, mm-hmm. right? He's pulled by the crowd in order to fulfill this desire that they have to see blood and hey, you know, there's something like, there's a reason why we go see rated R movies, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) There's something almost cathartic of uh, being part of the crowd that unites against a common enemy. I mean, we see this throughout human history and Herod, whether he wants to do this or not, uh, gets caught up, is influenced by those who are in the crowd, right? And this is what renee Girard teaches us about what it means to be human we're going to be influenced by others but the question is who are we going to be influenced by right i think a lot of christianity is actually influenced by the god of herod more than by the god of jesus Mm -hmm. and what do i mean by that we we become like the god that we worship and if we Uh, end up becoming more and more violent or needing to destroy our enemies or needing to blame others for the situation that they find themselves in. Uh, We become more like the God of Herod in the crowd that's in here. But what does Jesus do? the God of Jesus is the one who doesn't blame those who are hungry or those who are in need of healing by saying, it's your own damn fault that you are this way. Jesus doesn't do that. He goes to them and he heals them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He doesn't, you know, there's that great meme that says, uh, Jesus says, Hey, we're going to feed the the poor and heal them. And we're going to give food to those who are hungry. And the disciples come up to him and they say, But Jesus, then they're going to be reliant on you and you need to teach them to to not be reliant on you, (laughs) to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps, right? Jesus is like, just feed and heal people. That's what the kingdom of God is about. And stop making these excuses and stop blaming the victim of human culture. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, the truth is when we teach people to rely on each other, we also teach people to be reliable. That's how it works. That's how mimesis works. It's not that you, we are interconnected. You know, why deny that? None of us have anything completely by ourselves. We are born completely helpless and dependent. And we grow up in a world where we We might make some contributions, but we can't live without the contributions of others. We grow up in an interconnected world.
0: Yes. And part of the beauty of this story that is so often missed is the miracle that Jesus, we tend to get focused on the miracle that Jesus multiplies the fish and the loaves. Right. And we think that's the whole thing to the story, but we miss that in each one of these feeding of the thousands that jesus says to the disciples okay go and feed them you have a role in this miracle too it's not just about jesus in this story and my favorite version of this story is probably in the gospel of john where it's actually a young boy who comes up to them and says hey i've got some fish and jesus is like oh thank god for this boy who's sharing his fish and that's how they get the fish is from this young boy who's brave enough to say, Yeah, we got some fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, the whole miracle of this don't get caught in the trap, the modern trap of saying, Oh, this miracle just couldn't have happened, blah, blah, blah. There's a place for that conversation. But the bigger miracle is, Oh, my goodness, you have a role to play in feeding all of these people, whether it's physical nourishment whether it's spiritual nourishment whether it's just sharing what we have with one another so that people can eat that's the miracle yeah
1: yeah um i i love the idea of a little boy just out of nowhere that it's that it doesn't have to be jesus who initiated knowing the example of others too that it doesn't um you know that Jesus is humble enough to follow, but I think he sets the example for feeding before food is even mentioned, because what is happening in this, in this story is Jesus is utterly heartbroken because John the Baptist has been killed. And not only does Jesus love John the Baptist, They were cousins. They were friends. Um, Jesus loved him. And now he's dead because he spoke truth to power. And Jesus knows that that is going to happen to him. He, He knows it. He knows there's no avoiding it. And when you're heartbroken and you know that you're going to do what you do until you die but you probably just want a little bit of rest first a little bit of break i think most of us would just say get out of here i've got nothing for you just go away just give me some space today and he, as compassion his heart went out from him
0: it is beautiful image and one of the other contrasts that i see in here is also not just with king herod but with the roman empire as well and the roman emperor because the roman emperor had this uh way of you may have heard the term bread and circuses so the roman emperor would provide food and distractions for the quote common folk right uh the people that jesus would be healing and giving food here and the reason that the roman emperor did that was to give them just enough that they wouldn't rebel against the empire it was the roman emperor's way of saying see i am on your side i'm giving you food why are you so upset (laughs) right And this was like a ritual that the Roman emperor would put on for his subjects so that they wouldn't try to rebel. And aren't we seeing that today with so many things going on, even this PPP loan, right? Uh, I'm giving you just enough that maybe you'll survive during this time. And of course we've seen that it's been given out to uh, those who are like Much more well-to-do anyway, in big businesses. And I just saw a news item that said that a lot of the small businesses still haven't received their PPP loan. But this is this is just this is like bread and circuses for a lot of us because it's just another way that the empire or the government or whatever is saying, "I'm trying here," but really, actually, we're going to give all of the really good stuff to the more powerful. Uh, those who are already well-to-do, and we're going to give it to, as Rome did, our army to make our army bigger and bigger and bigger (laughs) so we can conquer more and more and more places. So contrast that with the way of Jesus who becomes one with those he is helping.
1: What's funny is uh, what you mentioned earlier about, oh, you don't want to create a culture of dependency, Jesus, but hoarding the resources and then letting them trickle down, that's what creates a culture of dependency. That's what keeps people from living into their fullest selves. But what Jesus does is he shares everything from within himself. I mean, even before we get to the food, he he's in a place, he goes out in solitude because he's utterly heartbroken that his cousin and friend has died from speaking truth to power. And he knows he's going to die too. He goes out for a moment of peace. And then he comes back and sees crowds of people, and instead of saying, leave me alone, don't you people have some place to be, I'm hurting here, I have nothing to give. He gives what he has within him because he has compassion on the crowd. And he is so full of love and he lets love pour out of him. He heals them and he words of wisdom and comfort to them. He gives everything from within himself. And what that does is it inspires people to open their hearts and share with one another. And here I always come back to the women and children, those people who were the besides in the gospel. Because usually when mothers are traveling a long distance with their children, they remember to bring some food. So they probably had enough to share specifically because of those extra women and children who weren't even counted. Um, And that's something that Jesus does. Jesus draws our focus to the people who have never been seen before and gives them a place, not only gives them a place, but goes in solidarity with them and has us follow him into solidarity to say, all the people that you've cast out are really the people that we need to build our lives around. Not by casting them out, but by centering them and and loving them, loving everybody. I mean, That's a real sense of abundance to give of yourself and inspire others to give of themselves. That is so different from the way of hoarding the resources and letting them trickle down so that the people feel like their lives will fall apart if the empire collapses.
0: There you go. Yeah. Thank you for this, Lindsay, and exploring this parabolic story
1: thank you adam
0: and thank you everyone for listening that is it for this episode of jesus unmasked jesus unmasked is produced by the raven foundation where we talk about faith and mimetic theory check out more of our work at ravenfoundation.org you can connect with raven on facebook twitter and instagram and special thanks to our editor raya dickerson you can catch up with Rhea at depthsofechoes.com. And friends, if you like this episode, feel free to share it with your friends or your enemies because Jesus calls us to love them too.